You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Kane does not go. The pitch is a bouncy ball up the middle. Panic dives. He's got it. Glove hand flip to Crawford. The first, not in time. Oh, I don't know about that play at first. But that was an absolutely spectacular play from Joe Panic. It's that close. I think they got him. I do. That double play that Jeremy Affeld induced from Eric Hosmer in the 2014 World Series was already dramatic enough. But apparently, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Affeld became a playoff hero in a Giants uniform. But that signature moment was even more dramatic than we realized. Wait until you hear Affeld's story about what he was dealing with in that series. We go inside Jeremy Affeld's Giant Moments. Now, now, now. This is Inside Giant Moments. Presented by T-Mobile, our franchise has countless memorable, iconic moments. Join Mark Willard as he connects with our former players who lived these moments to relive the emotions, the stories, and the joy. Jeremy Affelt joins us on the Inside Giant Moments podcast. Jeremy, uh, a part of all three World Series teams, so can't wait to get into this. Thanks for doing it, man. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get to all of the playoff success, but I, I wanted to start with a quote that I read from you after you beat the Royals in 2014 about how the end of your career was better than the beginning. And when you look at it, it it's, it's really true. You spent the better part of a decade, so it seems, uh, with a lot of teams that were tinkering and, and trying to figure out what to do with you, starter, reliever, closer did you not feel in your career like your role was really defined until you joined the Giants uh yeah I'd say that was probably the best uh time to that I had when it came to the definition of a role because with the Royals you had you're a believer right I was kind of all over the map I was both things I started I closed I set up I mid relieved I was a guy that was a swing guy I would start and, you know, relieved depending if we need a starter, all that kind of stuff. So it was very confusing as a, as a pitcher. And in my mentality and how I think, it's very confusing. So I didn't like not having a role because I didn't, like, I didn't know how to prepare, you know. And so I wanted to prepare correctly because I feel like for me, when it comes to any kind of opponent, whatever I have going ahead of me, whatever my opponent is, I want to know all about them. And when I can't plan accordingly, if I don't have like a – strategy or, or 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 a thought process mentally i just don't feel as good about it and so for me getting to the giants when they signed me as a setup man like that that was and i got given a role i mean you see the very first time i had a solid role in 2009 i won setup man of the year right because i had a goal I, I knew what my job was every day i knew what i was going in to prepare for every day nothing was a surprise and the only thing that was a surprise maybe is when I pitched, you know, but it wasn't like I didn't know who I was going to pitch against. I knew the guys and I knew the scenario of the game, and I couldn't I couldn't predict what that would be. But I knew going in at six, seven, eight, to kind of get into play. Tell the score. You saw the situation. Ready, and so that was my best. That's why I really thrived because my preparation was. Uh, in 09, that's when you do join the team uh, as a free agent. What went into that decision? Uh, you know what? A lot of things were not the same. Um, before, we had to sign me. I wasn't 
uh, told him I intended to tell Sabian to never call me again. Uh, but uh, <laughs> then, then, they, then they, they obviously the next year. Uh, and, and, you know, I remember I was actually uh, on the side of a mountain. And I have no idea how my phone even rang in. And he said, hey, man, I got the Giants on the line. They need to know if you want to take this deal. And I was like, hold on a second. Let me call you back in 30 minutes. I ran down the mountain, jumped in my truck, and drove to where I had better cell coverage. And called him, and he said, here's the deal. And it was the deal that I wanted. And I said, but I have to put it in San Francisco. And I thought we told him not to ever call us again. And my agent, my agent laughed, and he's like, hey, you're going to have to get over that. Like, here's the deal. Like, it's a West Coast team. You want to be on the West Coast. You want to be close. You want to be, have a, a short flight home uh, to your off-season home because, you know, you didn't want to fly all over the place. I had one little boy at the time, and he's like, listen, you, it's just a, it, it's everything you asked for, and the money is exactly what we're needing. So what are we arguing about? And I said, you know what? You're right. And and so I did a two-year deal with them, and it was probably the greatest decision I ever made, and I'm very thankful for the Giants to – to not, you know, take my, you know, threat seriously, I guess, and, <laughs> and make that call back, you know, so it was great. I, you know, give me a little bit more on, on how that was born in the first uh, place. How did the conversation go that led to you sort of making that comment originally? Well, so I was a free agent after the Rockies uh, World Series year in 2007, uh, and it was my first free agency year. I had a great year. Uh, it's probably my best year that I've had in baseball. Plus, I was in the World Series. I pitched in all four World Series games. Uh, you know, so I had a really good run there. And a lot of teams are trying to figure out who I was because when it comes to free agent, especially in, in a lever or a starter role, you're trying to figure all that stuff out. And I, I, I had just been traded to the Rockies the, the, in 2006 at the All-Star break. So I was still kind of doing both. But with the Rockies, I was a straight reliever. I'd never started with them. And but it was only my one year out of that role of not doing all the roles. It was my first year as a full time reliever. Well, so all these teams really didn't even know what to classify me as as a free agent, and they didn't know if I was going to be able to replicate that year because I'd never replicated that year, you know, before. I think I think my I think my second year in the big leagues I think was pretty close to that year I had with the Rockies and. But I also put up 70 appearances with the Rockies. So no one knew. They didn't know how long my last – you know, they just didn't no, – no, no teams knew. The Houston Astros lowballed me. Uh, the Minnesota Twins really lowballed me. Uh, and so I was sitting there like, well, I'm getting all these lowball offers and had a really good year. Well, I had a one-year deal with Baltimore uh, to possibly close for them. And I was like, man, being a closer – being a closer would be fun. I've always liked that. But – Baltimore, man, you're in the Nash, you're in the American League East. You're a team that's not really, you know, you're not, you're not Boston, you're not New York. This isn't when Baltimore were the big thumpers, you know. It was like a, you almost didn't feel comfortable. But if you could close there, you could get a pretty good job the next year, you know. And so I almost took that deal, and the Reds called in and said, hey, you know, we're gonna. They offered me the same exact deal. So you're kind of thinking, for all this, no such thing as collusion. You're trying to figure out how two teams have come in with the same exact deal. In a matter of two days, you know, you're like, it's kind of weird, right? I'm like, I, I, and the market wasn't even like that at all. So the Reds came in and they, but they said, we want to see if he'd start. And I was like, ooh, I wouldn't mind trying my hand at starting because that, that door never really closed. So I took the Reds one year and then the Giants called in and they offered me a really, I think they offered me like a two year, 
$4 million deal or something, you know? And I was like, man, I'm getting three and a half from the Reds for one year and to possibly start. So I said, I'm going to take that deal. So, and that's when I got mad at the Giants. They're like, don't call me on that. Don't call me with that, that bad of a deal right there. And then say, well, we don't know what kind of, you know, we don't know what we're getting. I said, I'm not taking that deal. So that was one of the lowest offers I had been, I had been, that's been offered to me. Uh, the Astros, I think offered me two years, five, um, and then I, my agent didn't like that deal either. And so he was like, just take the one-year deal and we'll roll the dice and bet on you. So I took the Reds one-year deal. I got to spring training, and at the end of spring training, they decided not to, decided not to start me because some kid named Johnny Cueto decided to take my job. You know, so, so you know, you say, who's this Cueto guy? He's not that good. Well, obviously he, he is that good. I think we all know what Cueto did, you know, after that. And uh, So I ended up becoming – you know, a reliever pitched in 71 ball games or 74 ball games, almost, you know, had a ton of holds, had a great year, had an even better year. David Weathers taught me my sinker. Uh, and I ended up throwing, I started throwing a sinker that year and had my best year of my career. Well, then now, now teams are starting to make offers. And the Giants, honestly, were one of the first offers that I'd gotten, but it was such a good offer. And, and the Giants said, and I had held out till almost spring training to sign with the Reds because the deals are so bad. So that following year when the Giants, I had that great year, uh, the Giants, you know, they called me one of the, they were the, one of the first teams to call and they made the offer. And the reason I took it was because it was a fair deal. I mean, I think gave me two years, eight, and that was the biggest deal I'd ever been offered. And I just came off of back-to-back years of 70-plus appearances. And I was like, you know what? I, it is West Coast. It is a good ballpark to pitch in. Um, and and it would be fun. And they said they were trying to build a bullpen. They they had too young of a bullpen, and they were walking too many guys out of the pen. And Bochi was so tired of all the walks out of the pen, he wanted veteran players that could come in and throw strikes. Well, I, I had started throwing a lot of strikes the last couple of years, and I had a sinker, so I had a good I had a pitch where I could tell guys it was coming, and it was a double play ball. And then they signed Bob Howery, who was a straight strike throwing machine. The guy was like he just threw the ball exactly where you put the mitt. So they brought us both in to be able to cover that back end to give Wilson and Romo. Romo was a guy that they thought was good, but they didn't know because they didn't really know, you know, he didn't have anything plus except for his slider. Well, it's obviously all you need. He made, he made sure everybody knew that, right? The guy had freaking nastiest slider I've ever seen. So, and so they, but they didn't know that and they needed to get the ball to Wilson. And so they kind of brought us in to be a bridge to that. And they were telling me all that. And they said, look, we have a good team. We just don't have a back end that can hold leads. But we have an unbelievable starting staff. And I knew about Kane and Timmy. And, you know, so you're like, all right. And he's like, listen, we, we've got some guys that can carry the ball later into the, into the ball game. But we don't have anybody that can hold these leads and cannot be walking guys. And so they said, listen, we're, we really want to have you. And we, we're making you a really fair deal. And they did. They, they, it wasn't even like a mid-level deal. It was a big at that time, that was a pretty big contract for me, uh, and that you could tell they weren't messing around. So for me, it was really good. And the only thing they asked my agent is, before they offered me the amount, he says, "Is he is he going to hold out like he did last year?" And my agent said, "Well, if you don't offer him a low ball deal, you give him what he wants. He's not going to hold out." And the Giants <laughs> just didn't pull any punches. You know, they just they just fired a big number out there, and I took it. There you go. There you go. And you mentioned the starting rotation that they're building, Lincecum Kane, there's Zito, there's Sanchez, Bumgarner is on the way. And right when you join, the team doesn't make the playoffs in 09, but they're good. 
they're good. And so yep. with the addition of you guys and that starting staff, did you have a sense right away that, that something pretty cool was on the way? Well, the last part of 09, we started getting so good, and the games became so electric because fans started showing up. You had Buster coming in, right? You knew he was coming up, and, and he came up in September, and, you, and then Bump came up in September. And all of a sudden, but we just – the guys started just feeling some, – something felt good about, okay, we've got some – we've got a chance here. We need a few holes. We have to fill a few holes, but we got it. And then the next year – you know, you go in and sign, you know, you, you go in and bring in, you know, I think you brought in what? You brought in Huff, uh, you brought in uh, Renneria, Uribe, and all of a sudden you're bringing in veterans that have been in, Uribe and Renneria have been in World Series. They've won World Series before. The All of a sudden these guys that are like, all right, these guys are pretty good players and they're wanting to come play here. They must have saw something too. And those guys know what you have. They know they know the pitching, right? They they know who they're facing. So when those guys come in and you're having to face, you know, the guys that we were having to th- we're throwing out there on the bump, they kind of understood too, like, wait a minute, these guys have the pitching. Now we just need to get some defense behind them and maybe get some runs and, and see what happens. And all of a sudden they just brought in and Buster, you know, once we started winning and, and Benji and Benji obviously call an unbelievable game. So he's a great game caller, but then Buster was showing so much promise and all of a sudden, when we made that trade, Molina got traded to the Rangers, and we basically someone gave him away, right? And and all of a sudden, man, he, he almost – and Buster came up, and the way he was just hitting right away, you were like, wait a minute here. Now we've got it now. Oh, my. <laughs> all of a sudden, you just, you just felt it, you know. Bum started shoving. You know, and and Kane and Timmy and every game you're going into the seventh, eighth inning, where we only had to pitch seventh, eighth, ninth, or eighth, ninth, and and then their bullpen even got more confident, and then we started clicking with each other, and then then I get hurt, I go down, uh, and I think with I think that's year I went down with a oblique or a hamstring, yep. I can't yep. remember, and then we bring in Javi, and Javi came over as a he was he was just he got a Bad deal with – he just – he had a rough year with the Red Sox. He got a one-year deal with the Pirates. He actually had his worst outing of the year the second we traded for him and came in, and he just locked in. And then I and then I got healthy, and I locked back in, and you saw Bochy's eyes, and it was like I've got four or five guys, you know, coming in right now that all of a sudden Boda's in that, you know, in that play, Casillas in that – and all of a sudden Bochy's brain and it was like i've got it i can run this pitching staff how i need to run it i only need two with our start staff i just need to get two three runs a game that's all i need my offense to get and i will run this pitching staff and and we'll, and man it was like you almost saw bochi like it was like all his managerial skills came into play because he finally had the team he needed that he could run the game how he thought it should be run and and it was it was amazing. It was that was you could see it in Bochy's on us. Everything was great. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Boch though, like so he's rubbing his hands together and he's excited at what he's got. Uh, but it's also a band of misfits. It's a lot of personalities to handle. By the way, he always brings you up when he talks about gray hair. Like like what what about <laughs> yeah. what about that part of what he had to do and all of you guys blending together? You know, he did because. We were misfits because we didn't 
it wasn't like we were like by the book, right? Like, like you had Wilson's got his beard growing all over the place. He's talking about ninjas growing in it, and he <laughs> Bochy's probably like, oh my gosh, he's saying that in the media, you know? And he's got the weird eyes. He doesn't wear an undershirt, and he, half his buttons are undone, and he's just like, you know, he's got all that stuff going. And then you got Romo coming in, throwing sliders and punching at the sky and yelling at players. And then you got me firing scuds off the backstop and then figuring out a way to get it done. Like, if I didn't want to pitch to a guy, I just threw the ball 17 feet from the hitter and was like, well, no one's catching it or hitting it. So I'm just going to – Bochy's over there like, purpose or is he losing it? And Drag's like, just let him do it. And, and all of a sudden it was like I get a double play ball, but it wasn't like – it was always almost Bochy would be like, why do you always got to make it the high-pressure situation to come through us? Because I thrive in that. I'm not going to lie. Like, I thrive. My back's against the wall. I do better, you know? And he's like, yeah, but you're, I'm going nuts, you know? Because Bochy's like, do I pull him? Do I not pull him? And then it's like, base is loaded. Do I put him in? What if he fires a scud? Base is loaded. The ball goes the back. Like, he's just, you know, he's got a but he knows we come through, but he's also got that, like, they're not, they don't exactly do it textbook either you know it's not like they're o2 and put you know it's just a crazy mess and then you got huff wearing a phone as he plays you got you know you're just like he's just like oh my gosh like i don't even know what i'm running out there but we're winning and you know we got the freak throwing you know every i mean you got kane who's just like stoic out there you know but then you got torres who literally we call him joystick because you almost had to he would freak out out there on the base pads, and you were hitting the B button to go back, like on Nintendo. You're like, no, B, 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 go back, go back. You know, he's overrunning bags, and it's just a crazy. But you know what? It, it, it's, it, but it's what made us tick, and it also is what made teams nervous to play us. And teams would come in, and they would literally, some of the guys on the team would say, man, if you guys get two run, we're, two runs, we're done. And they would be like, we're just chalking it up to hopefully we take one out of three from you and we score more than three runs. Because, I mean, we were just too good. The, the pitching staff was too good, man. And we all knew what we were doing and we knew what we were, our roles were set for. And this misfit deal, I think it drove people nuts, though, like other teams especially. You know, like it just made the Dodgers mad. They had a good record. We just came in and wiped up, you know, you know wiped up the playoffs. But you had Burl and you had Huff and you had Uribe freaking out and you had, you know, you had all these weird guys coming in from the bullpen and and it was just it was almost comical for other teams to watch. But it was also you started seeing teams build a lot of teams like our team. They started building their bullpen like that. It, it was part of the deal. You know, it was great. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think not only because of what ended up happening that season, but the fans of San Francisco just identified with all of this so much and wrapped their arms around it. So you guys move through that regular season and you get into the playoffs. And I want to jump to the series in Philadelphia and for you, game six of the NLCS, because one of the things that was really cool about you, not only in your career, but especially as you started getting into the playoffs, is the Swiss Army knife nature. They could bring you in in the ninth. They could bring you in the sixth. They could bring you in in the third, uh, which which happens in this particular case. So Jonathan Sanchez is taken out in the third inning with runners on. What did Boach say to you as he gave you the ball? So him and I were getting into an argument at the City Point Atlanta. I told the line with him. I was super upset because he didn't pitch me. 
and he didn't pitch me for like 14 straight days. And two of the times I was on the mound when he let, um, I think Romo pitched to and Ramirez, both righties pitched to Hinsky and pitched to, um, oh man, uh, pitched to, uh, oh, it was, um, dang, the, the lefty pitcher for the Cardinals became a hitter. Oh my gosh, it's pretty Oh, Ankeel? Ankeel. Yeah. Right? Both those guys hit homers off the righties. And I was warmed up, ready to go in, and he didn't put me in. And I was so mad. I remember I was just I, – I, I mean, we got into it. And then I got into it with Rags, and Rigetti and I went out there on the uh, – right before BP one time, and we just nosed and nose, man. And you just messed with the Italian stallion there, you know. Like, I nosed up <laughs> right on freaking Rags. and was like, we freaking went at it, him and I. And because I was so mad about – this is my job. So next time you give me the ball – well, I think if anything, I think Rags would probably be able to tell you that too. And Boach, it's like one thing that they did get from me is they got passion and they knew I wanted the ball. They never had to worry about if I was afraid to take the ball. Like I'd be mad if I didn't get the ball, right? So that's a positive for them. And I remember Boach and I would just not get – I mean, I was so mad at him. I remember I was in the bullpen before that game, game six, and I was sitting in the bullpen. I go out and I threw, I threw a bullpen that day because I hadn't thrown in a while, and I threw as hard as I could. I was throwing, I was throwing balls as hard as I could to the catcher. And Rags just sat there and looked at me, and I got done. I turned around, I walked off, and he looked at me, and he said, hey. And I said, what? He said, is that out of your system now? Are you done being angry? I said, I'll be done being angry when you put me in the game. And I walked off on him, right? And I remember just sitting uh, in that bullpen, and they left me alone. Before, after that bullpen, I just sat up there, and they just walked off to go back into the clubhouse. And I was just thinking, I just want to be a part of something good. I want to be a part of something great. I want to be put in a situation where I can say that I was in one of the greatest baseball games and I got to help. Like, that's what I want to be a part of. That's it's just something I wanted to be a part of, you know? And, 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 and all of a sudden, I got put in this game. You're right. Sanchez hits uh, Utley. Utley throws the ball back at him after you hit, it, after you hit him. Then they got for a little bit of a fake brawl, right? Right. And I'm not going to lie, I, I was going into that game. I was, I mean, I was running down to go go into that fake. It's a fake brawl. Like, those, those things are so fake, right? Like, you're like, whatever. It's just eye washing. Right. But we right. got to go in. You can't not go in there. So, we're kind of, you know, so I was about ready to go. And Gardy grabbed me, and he's like, you can't go down there. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're, we're, we could be getting into a fight here. He's like, no way. He's like, this is a perfect opportunity because you're going in this ball game, and you had, like, three pitches, I only threw the ball three times before Utley, before, before Sanchez hit Utley and Bochu was coming out to get him, put me in. I didn't have any, I didn't have any warmups. Yep. And so he's like, you got to warm up. Well, I'm not going to lie, man. Philly, the people there, they make up cuss words, right? Like, <laughs> like they, 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 they say stuff to you that you're like, you actually hurt my feelings. Like, right. I think my feelings hurt a whole lot, but that was hurtful, man. Like, and they were wearing me out for not going down there. And I was trying to, I couldn't wait to get in the game just because I was like, I got to get out of this bullpen so I don't have to listen to these fans yell at me the whole time, you know? And, and so I go running in the game, and Bochy is standing on the mound, and I am not happy with him. Because so, now, oh, now, oh, really? Oh, yeah, that's great. You don't pitch me for like 14 days. You pitched me one time in the last 14 days. Now you're going to put me in runners of first and second, no outs, and I got to get you out of a jam? Oh, that's good. Like, I was so mad. I was like, that's great. Yeah, you, you know, like, that. this is perfect. And I remember walking in, I didn't even look at him. I got to the mound, I stuck my glove out, I looked away from him, and I just asked for the ball. And he put the ball in my glove, and I went to close my glove, and he kept his hand in my glove. And I looked up at him, and he said, hey, I know you and I aren't getting along, 
But I'm just going to tell you something. You want to know why you've been sitting? It's because I've been saving you for this right here. You get me out of this jam right here, we're going to go to the World Series. So give me everything you got because this is what I've been waiting for the whole time. This is the time that I believe in you. This is the time that I need you, and you're the only guy that can get us out of this. And it gave me – it was the most amazing thing because any turn I walked off, and I felt so pumped up that he even said that to me, you know. And and then when I struck out Howard, and I know it was the first out, but striking him out on that fastball up, I mean, that's the whole – you saw the whole dugout jump. Polanco at second, Utley at first. 2-2 ball game, bottom of the third. The pitch to Howard. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a high fastball. Howard gone. But here's Worth. I mean, you know, that, that's so key for Jeremy Affeld to come in there and get that first hitter by way of the strikeout. He's established all his pitches. He's got some confidence. If you're throwing that sinker down around the knees, as Affeld can with that 93-plus sink, he can get a ground ball from Worth. It was that was one out, but then you know, and then I got uh, uh, a weak uh, fly ball from Worth and a, a routine ground ball to short. Got out of it, pitched the next inning, got the ball to bum, and I remember just it was it was I I, I remember I was talking to myself on the mound right because I'm trying to keep myself in, so I'm like okay, all right, whew, you got to get out of this jam, you got this. I'm not trying to do self talk out there, right? I'm being a self therapist out there. I'm like okay, <laughs> yeah. you know like. You know, you got this. Stay focused. Focus on the control. What's your control? Where my control was, I got to get a fastball up to Howard. So I'm kind of mumbling on the mound because I'm like trying to calm myself down, so I don't get overly amped up. And I remember her specs behind the is behind the dish, and he and I come walking off the mound in my last inning, and he goes, "Hey, Hatfield." I'm walking. I goes, "What are you saying on the mound?" Buster said he didn't know what you're saying, and I was like, "Dude, I see dead people. I talk to them." And Hurstback looks at it did, I swear to God, Hurstback looks at me and goes, I got nothing on that. I got nothing on that. He turned out walked out. <laughs> Dude, it was hilarious. It was so funny. But it's the only way I could keep myself from getting over the amp is I got to stay relaxed. And sometimes I got to talk to myself. Sometimes I got to mess with the umpires. But, man, I, and it was my dream, right? Like to, to pitch in something meaningful right there is great. Yeah, well, and I, I think that you're – you're capturing right there that connection between you and Boach. He was right. Like, you went and got out of it, and I looked at that, and just looking at your entire story, your, your whole story, I'm like, that's the game that shaped what you were going to do for the next four years with the San Francisco Giants. Right. Is that – I mean, what, do you look back at that moment in the same way? Yeah. Yeah, because I think what Boachy saw – that I didn't see it myself quite yet is Bochy saw, listen, like when he's called upon and there's a back against the wall and it's the most highest pressure situation possible, for whatever reason, my brain slows down. And I don't know why that is. Like, and I've talked to several people about it, and some people say, yeah, they, people that perform in high-pressure situations, they know how to – they know how to. and I speak on it to this day, right? I public speak to corporations – I do team stuff. I, I public speak on performing high-pressure situations because of how my brain thinks and how I, how I understand pressure. I calm down in pressure because of how I evaluate the pressure. Sometimes for me, and I found out that's why I wasn't a very good starter because you had to cover seven innings, so I really wasn't like oh, – my back wasn't against the wall, yeah. you know? So I would almost give in. So if we were up by six, seven runs, I did terrible. I mean terrible. 
and, and and because there was not enough for whatever reason, I just couldn't lock it in. And I hated pitching in ten nothing blowouts. Hated it. Hated pitching if we're down ten or up ten because there's nothing to pitch for. And I had a my I just had a hard time. No matter how hard I tried to lock in, I just had a hard time locking in. So I think what he saw was. I slowed the game down, even, and, and, and you can see it when I pitch out in those situations. I, I, I get the ball, I slow walk back to the mound, I take a deep breath, I look in. I don't, I don't panic. I don't speed the game up. I slow it down, and it's just natural for me. In any pressure situation I've had, I just slowed, I slow everything down in my head. And so for me, that was – I think he saw that, and, and he knew that he could pitch me in the third inning or the ninth inning or the seventh inning – because he knew in the playoffs when he would pitch me, the reason I was coming in not it's not because we're getting blown out. He was going to put me early. If I was going to come in early, it was because he felt like that was the biggest inning at that time that was going to make or break us. And 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 he knew he had Javi and Romo and Wilson that year, Casilla the following year. Uh, you know, he had all these guys that he could go to if he had to burn me early. He still had plenty capable guys to pitch in the back end. Uh, in, in later in the game, and so that was why he, I think, was feeling so good about his his ability to manage us, is because he had those options. Uh, that game sends you guys to the World Series, as you mentioned. And I'm betting, I'm thinking of the roster. I'm betting you're one of the few guys on the team who had been to a World Series before. So, was there something to that role? What are you telling your teammates as you guys head to play Texas? Yeah, you know. You did. You had some guys. You had Burl um, that had been in the World Series. You had Uribe. You had Renneria. You had Aaron Rowan. You had myself. Um, I think there might have been one other guy, but we had guys that were in the World Series. And I just told them, look, this. the only reason the pressure is different is, be, one, it's the World Series, right? You don't ever know if you're going to get there again. I mean, I played with Griffey. Griffey didn't even get – he played 20-some years and never went to World Series. So yeah. it, you don't disrespect – going to the world series but you don't treat it any different because it's still the same game it's still 60 feet six inches it's still 90 feet to first base right like the game is played the same the reason there's added pressure is because now you have 400 tv cameras on the field it's like a movie set before every game right yeah. so you got all this hoopla because you're the only game being played and the, but the fans are still packed in there we've played in front of packed crowds before it's no different that way Everybody's tired. I said, "Look, guys, the hitters are tired. We're tired. The good thing about it is, we have we as pitchers in those situations. For me, the hitters have all the pressure. They got to score the runs. We got to throw strikes. So we just have to, you know, what keep throwing strikes, stay ahead in the count, keep these guys off, you know, defense as much as possible, and 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 don't change anything that we've done to to, to get here as a pitching staff. And I, I didn't talk to the hitters. I didn't talk to the players about it because reality is, I'm not them. But as a pitcher. I know what I had to tell the pitchers, and, and we all kind of felt that same way, and we went about everything the same. We played catch the same time early every day like we usually do. We got ready at the same time. Now, we might have had to be ready earlier, and sometimes Bochi would tell us, hey, you might need to be ready earlier, but not all the time. We just prepared for the game like we always had, no matter what, if it was game one or game 180, you know, whatever it is in the World Series, you know, like we don't change the thought process, no matter about the pressure. The pressure only comes because you're letting the outside influences of media, of the whole World Series thing on your jersey, all those things are, are, are changing 
your, your pressure. But the reality of it is it's still the same game. And you still want to win just like you want to win every game. You don't want to lose. You want to win every game you go out there and play for. And we're, our only job is to go ahead and get guys out as quick as possible and get our offense to the plate. Don't change your thought process. Don't let your brain think anything else. And that, that's how I approached all those things. And I felt like everybody kind of took that on and, and, and all approached it that, that way. Okay, quick pause to thank our sponsor, T-Mobile. It's never been more important to stay connected. And T-Mobile has taken steps to support customers along with frontline workers nationwide during these uncertain times. They've been amazing. T-Mobile responded to customer needs by increasing network capacity, lifting smartphone data caps, and increasing data allowances for schools and students in the Empower Ed program. They've also committed to donate $2.5 million to over 100 local schools and Boys and Girls Club of America, which provides childcare for our nation's first responders and healthcare workers, meals for families in need, and more. T-Mobile is committed to supporting customers, communities, and thanking frontline workers across the nation. Visit T-Mobile.com for more information. And now back to Inside Giant Moments. Game one of that series... You walked someone, he later scored, you still win the game, of course. It was the last run you'd ever give up in the postseason in the rest of your career. Starting in game three of that series against Texas, 22 consecutive scoreless appearances in the postseason. That is nuts, dude. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. And people say, how'd you do it? I said, there's no formula. I threw a ball over the plate. And they swung at it is to somebody. Like right. I did, I, I did. There was there was nothing. I didn't do anything special. The only thing I did do was I made sure I got weak contact. Right. I mean that's and and I'm all over Wilson because we Wilson gave up that run. I was like, dude, if you wouldn't have given up that run, I would have beat Mariano Rivera's record. Right. You know. And he was like, well, next time don't walk the guy. You know. Right. Like, you know. It's right. kind of the, you know the thing. But but yeah, you know, like you. you I think I think some records are there, but some records are, are aren't there because of you. I, it does take a team effort. I'm not trying to be cliche, but it really was. It's not like I struck out everybody I faced. You know, it was it was I got weak contact and balls went to guys. And I, for whatever reason, willed. I just didn't want to give up a run. I, I didn't. I, I, every pitch I made, I made to figure out how I could keep a run from scoring. So if I walked a guy, I erased. And said, okay, how can I get double play ball? How am I going to get two for one here? Because i got to get two for one. So all my strategy was was keep the guys from crossing that plate as much as possible. I mean, I just didn't want them at second base. You know, I wanted I wanted everything at first base, a uh, chance for double play ball. That was my focus, and I made pitches accordingly. And, and sometimes they would say I threw too many pitches because I wasted pitches. And I'm like, well, I wasted pitches because I'm trying to set the guy up because I refused to give in in a situation here. Uh, and possibly give up a bloop single or something like that. So every pitch I'm making, I'm trying to set up for a weak contact ground ball. And, and it just happened to work out. But, but there's no formula to it. When that final out is made in Texas, how did it feel and how did it sort of adjust the way you viewed your career? You know, in 2007, when we lost four straight to the Red Sox when I was in Colorado, I, I I never – I mean, I was devastated for one because, one, I didn't even win a game. Like, I got my chance to go to the World Series. I didn't only have one World Series win, a game win. Like, I don't even – we got swept, right? And But you were thinking, I'm never going back. I'm never – like, that was my one shot. Like, guys don't get multiple shots. So, to go back in 2010 and when Renneria hit that homer and then all of a sudden you 
looked over at Weeze, and Wilson's got the hood on, and he something else happens to him when when you when you get and he'll say he was scared to death or nervous. I mean, it's what he says, right? Everybody thinks I was tough. I was super scared. Well, that's not how it's. He, we didn't see it that way, you know. Like when that homer went over the wall, like all of a sudden his eyes changed, and he took he just started he just slowly took off his sweatshirt, grabbed his ball, went down. He started walking. He just ready to close the game, you know, and, yeah. and he, you saw that look when he went in, you just saw it. He just had that deadpan look a focus and, and he goes running the game. And when, when we're sitting there and, and all of a sudden we're just all sitting on the bench and he strikes out Cruz. It's like you floated, you floated because everybody coaches, players, the whole bullpen down there, we were like, we just won the freaking World Series. Like, it, 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 you just were floating. I mean, at the half it, it, at, of 2010 at the All-Star break, you're not thinking – I mean, we're good, but we're not thinking we're World Series champions. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we weren't the best team record-wise, offense-wise. There, there was, I think there was one state that has picked to win the World Series, and I think it was California. Right. You know, like, it was only <laughs> – you know, no, one, no, no, no other state even had us. And so it was one of those things where you were just like – we just won, and you're running across the field, and you didn't even feel the grass, man, it, it, because it, it was the most – you were just like, man, like, we just did it. Like, I, I, I could – my career could end, and I would have – there would be nothing that I would be – I wouldn't be upset about any of it. You know, like, I, I, I won a World Series. I did something that I never thought I was going to do. I never thought – I had a dream of going to the major leagues. I had a dream of pitching the big league. The first time I threw a big league pitch, I said, that's it. No one can ever take that from me. And winning a World Series, you're like, oh man, like I just now I just won what everybody seeks to do here. I don't care about how much money you make, all that stuff. The reality of it is, is the only thing better than that is I don't even know Hall of Fame. Maybe I mean Griffey said it right. You know, uh, AJ Przinsky. I was told looked at him and said, hey, you might have mistake not joining us in 2005, didn't you? And I guess Griffey nixed the deal going to the Red, uh, the White Sox in 2005. And Griffey, Griffey looked down at him and said, what do you mean? He's like, well, we, we had a ring. And he said, let's put it this way, AJ. I'll, I'll reserve you a front row seat to my Hall of Fame ceremony. And I thought that was the most funny thing ever because it was like, yeah, I guess that might be the thing better than a World Series. I guess being a Hall of Famer. But I don't even know if Hall of Famers would say that. I think they would say, I had a Hall of Fame career, but I never won. I never got the final trophy. You know, like I played yeah. all the time. And we did it. We got the final trophy. I mean, that, that we, we're the last team standing. It, it was just it was surreal. It was, it was amazing. It, it, and, and, and then when you get back to San Francisco, that's another story about how, how you, you, you don't understand what you did to a city until you come back after that. Uh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. And that, I mean, you know, for those of you who have been in all three parades, every one of them, every one of you guys says there's, there, there was nothing like 2010. Yeah. Nothing, nothing because there's two, two and a half million people that have been, that, that you don't even understand what you did. Like, we had no concept. We're focused on winning, right? We're focused on what we're doing on the field. It's a job. We're paid to win, whatever. When we win the World Series, you get a little bit selfish because you're like, yeah, this is what we, we – we. but when we land at – I think it was like 4 in the morning or something, we landed, and all of a sudden we're driving in our bus, and everybody's – you know, they're so, – you know, they're, the guy's been tilting the bottle a little bit, you know, so there's a lot of guys that are a little excited. <laughs> Right. You know, so 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 we're just getting off, and we get on this bus, and 
it was a sobering moment when all of a sudden you're looking and there is just cars lined up along the freeway with flags, horns honking. I mean, four in the morning, people are like waiting for us. And it was just like there's these it, – it, it was like a row of people. And then you get to the, the stadium, and people are outside the stadium freaking out. And then I have to get this beard off me because we were doing this whole beard thing for Wilson. So none of us got our beard cut. Well, mine was – I felt like I had fleas, man. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm itching. So the next morning I get up to go get a, a beard trim, and I'm on the barber chair with a razor blade you know, to my neck. And this woman, she's like 55, walks in, sees me, and just starts crying. Then she starts, like, kissing my hand, kissing my cheek, kissing my forehead. Well, I can't go anywhere. I got this razor blade. And the lady doing the doing my cuts, like, ma'am, you can't kiss him. <laughs> you know, he's in a – but she was weeping because she's like, I, 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 this is the greatest thing of my life. Like, I've waited my entire life. I've been a Giants fan since I was a little kid. I'm from San Francisco. Like, my dad is still alive. He watched you in the World Series. He says he can die now. Like, all these people – we're waiting, some of them, for 30, 40 years. I mean, their whole lives and and never saw it, and we did it. And, and to see how this city united and came together, and it was like from then on, it was Giants hats, Giants jackets, Giants shirts, fans everywhere, people wow. naming their dogs after Buster and Timmy and, <laughs> you know, like just like, holy crap. Like it was amazing. It was weird, but it, it was crazy cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, the, the residue still sits uh, here today for sure. Uh, you had a good year in 2011. That ends with an injury. You had a little DL time in 2012 as well. And I noticed, man, you, you, um, you get your money's worth when you get hurt. You had some creative injuries. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still hear about it. It's the one I'm never going to get Oh, man, I still get people like, well, so-and-so, so dude stabbed himself or whatever, and all of a sudden they're like, well, it's nothing like Jeremy Affeld stabbed himself, froze hammers. I mean, I still, people are still firing that on Twitter. I'm like, hey, guys, it's been 10 years. I mean, it's 2020. I mean, get over it. And then I just did that guy's grocery games. Of course, I'm a chef, and of course, they got me with a super sharp knife trying to cut this bag of cheese open, and then right. that opened up the floodgates. You know, it's like, you know, so it's like, yeah, like I got Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, 2012, uh, you're back, you're healthy and ready for the postseason, and it was fantastic. Ten scoreless outings, uh, including the big one in Game 4 of the World Series. I wonder how you would describe the energy of that moment. You're on the mound, you're on the road, you're trying to close out the Tigers, tie game late. You relieve Kane to start the eighth, you walk the first guy, and here come, in order, Miguel Cabrera, Prince Fielder, and Delman Young. These guys have a combined 92 home runs between the three of them during that year. So as they're, as they're coming up, what's going through your mind? Uh, I got to get no play. Like, that's the only thing I thought. I mean, because that kid that I walked, he had an unbelievable at bat. Like, I, I didn't even know how I walked him. I was missing. I was barely missing. And, and I'll credit the umpire. They were balls. I mean, he, he had a good strike zone. I mean, he didn't – He they were balls, but they were just not that far off. And I'm like, how is this kid not swinging, you know? And 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 so when I walked him, you know, I'm sure Boach was freaking out, you know. But what people didn't understand is, like, you remember in Cincinnati – or, yeah, the Cincinnati series, 
I had that foul ball came shooting into the dugout, and I fell down, and I I actually had a severe sprain and a minor tear on my UCL of my thumb. So I could not feel my left thumb, and I needed to throw my curveball. Well, curveball, you have to use your thumb, and it hurt so bad that they'd have to – they would they, – I, 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 I'd do a tortle shot to numb up the pain on my thumb because I had to throw a curveball. Rags in the Cardinal series – I'm like, Brad, I cannot throw a curveball. It hurts to throw a curveball. He's like, I need you to throw a curveball for a strike. Flip it in there because you're, you, there already is a scouting report on your curveball. So they don't know you can't throw someone in there, even a ball, but it's a close one. He goes, I need you to suck up the pain and give me a good curveball one or two times because as long as they think you have it, you can pitch with just your sinker. Well, now I got Prince Fielder, and I don't need to make him think I have it. I need the curveball. Like, I need my curveball. I'm like, oh, my goodness, my thumb is killing me. It's, it's, it's 20 below zero out there, freezing cold. And, and, you know, and you're just like, you know, my thumb is stiff. I'm like, I'm like out there, and I'm, it's throbbing. And because I had to snap some curveballs off in the cup before I came in. And I was like, oh, man, I've got fielder, and i, I got to figure out how to get him. All I was thinking was double play. I was not thinking strikeout at all. And Buster knew my thumb was hurt, so he was trying to figure out when we're going to throw this curveball because he knew we needed it. And I just remember, you know, I was pounding him in, and Fielder had a huge hole in his swing at that time on fastballs in because they had eight days off. So they weren't their bat speeds weren't great right then, right? And it's cold for them too. And I remember throwing sinkers in on him. You could see he could not get to that sinker in. And I'm like, well, I don't even care if he gets to it as long as it jams him because it gives me a chance for a double play because he's not the slow. He's a big guy. But he's not the slowest guy for a big guy, but he's not fast either. So right. I'm like, we got a chance for a double play, so I just need to jam him. Well, when he called for a curveball, and I threw that curveball at Prince Fielder, and I've seen that curveball a few times on replay, and they had that camera that does like 100,000 frames a second or whatever it is, and they can slow it up. They can see literally the seam of the ball. I've saw it on that camera, and that ball's coming right at his head for so long. And you just see Fielder lock up and almost duck, and it snapped so good right back to the back to Buster. And Buster caught it. His eyeballs got big because him and I thought the same thing. Well, if, I, if you could throw that curveball, we'd throw it every time. And I'm thinking, if I knew how to throw that curveball, I'd throw it every time. I have no idea how I just threw that curveball I just knew that my thumb was hurting, and I had to get the rotation, and I and, and it was just a perfect time. Well, the thing was is that set me up because now I didn't have to throw another one to him, and we went fast lens, struck him out. So when I struck him out, I was like, okay, I still need a double play ball because Maglio is the same. It's, it's this, I mean, uh, Miguel's the same thing, right? Miguel is slow. He's got a bad foot. He can't. He's got, you know, he's got a bad wheel. He can't. He can't. He, he can't run. And I just need a double play ball. And I knew that their guy wasn't going to steal because they didn't. I mean, I kept them close, but they don't. You don't want to run into it out late in the ball game in that same situation right there. You don't want to give up an out. And and Buster was throwing the ball down a second pretty good at that time too. So I knew they weren't really going to steal. I just had to keep the guy close enough to get the double play turn. And when I threw that split finger, it didn't. It, it was. I mean, John Miller called it a slider when he announced it because. It literally didn't even look – I mean, it, it, it acted like a slider. And it, it was the weirdest thing because I got around the ball because my thumb hurt so bad. I ended up taking the pressure off my thumb on the split finger, and I wrapped – I ended up getting around the ball. Well, it ends up 
instead of tumbling going down left, it's cut. And when he swung and missed it, I was like, oh, that's the perfect time. I mean, he even kind of looked at me and tipped his hat. MVP chants the Tiger crowd. Half fell is ahead of him, 0-2. He started him with the big curveball at 78 miles an hour, and then a 93-mile-an-hour fastball, 0-2. This is the first time that Affeld and Cabrera have ever faced off in a big league game. Cabrera taps the plate with his bat, stands back in. Garcia away from first, the pitch. He struck him out swinging. Payoff pitch was a split. The first time he's thrown it tonight, and you can't throw a better one than that. And I'm not even sure that Cabrera knew he had it. That was funky. Great pitch. And I remember talking to Buster afterwards, and he goes, that ball didn't even come close to doing what it was supposed to do. I'm like, well, if if he read split and thought it was going to go out and it went in, that's good for us. He's like, yeah, I guess. If you don't know where it's going, they don't know where it's going. He's like, the problem is i got to try to catch it. I'm like, yeah. But it was the perfect – and then with Delman Young, I mean, I just threw some good curveballs to him. My curve – everything kind of clicked in. It just hurt so bad to do it, but it, it almost was – and then I went out there. If you remember, though, I, I struck the next guy out too the next inning. Yep. And then the next guy hit a ball that that Pagan thought was out of the ballpark. I remember he hit it dead center, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, my epic outing just went to crap if this right. goes over the ball over the fence. Yep. And 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 I'm like, dude, this is not good, man. We're gonna do the storm. Like literally, I'm thinking this on the mound. We know there's a storm coming in, and we know that we could be like it's. It, and they ran for six straight days there. If you remember after that, we would have never got a game in. Like it, it was raining. They had flooding after that, and and yep. I was thinking, oh my goodness, we're gonna be here forever in this town. And Pagan said the weirdest thing, like he thought it was going out, and then the wind blew, and the ball like stopped, and like came like straight down to him he said it was the weirdest thing i'm like well i I, that's great i mean it was like we had little (laughs) angels in the outfield out there slapping the ball back down you know (laughs) i mean the whole the whole story i mean you're telling you're throwing pitches you didn't know you could throw you're getting a gust of wind i mean it's amazing i know like that's what i'm saying i you can't make like i know i'm 22 but i swear i think i added help from somebody it's it's like i just like what like things the stories guys would say Sweeney, uh, my, one of my best friends is Mike Sweeney. He was on the Phillies in 2010, and he called over and said, hey, the guys think you're cheating. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, the guys say your ball's doing weird stuff. They think you're throwing a spitball. I'm like, what? I don't cheat. I was like, bro, I can't afford to do that. I don't even know where it's going as it is. He's like, well, your balls, they said, is doing funky stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just because playoffs, like, weird stuff happened to my pitches, you know. It was, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was great. Well, so I'm wondering then, you've got two outs in the ninth, and uh, but you've just given up this ball that you thought was going to be gone, and Boach comes out to take you out. So were you relieved or were you ticked? Yeah, you'll see me coming off, and I look up to heaven, and I go, "Boof!" They got him coming out. <laughs> because because when Boach came and got the ball, he I'm not going to lie, that was way too close to comfort. I think you ran out of bullets. I'm, I'm going to pull you. Uh, your luck might have ran out after that out. I'm like, yeah, I think I used my last little bit of luck there. He's like, yeah, we're going to pull you right here. (laughs) Oh, man. And and how did that ring feel compared to 2010? Uh, You know what? We, it it was hilarious because in 2010, I mean, it's your first ring, but it wasn't probably our favorite looking ring. 
you know, in 2010. It just wasn't, you know. It, 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 you know, And so when we won in 2012, we were freaking out in the, in the clubhouse, and I looked over at Larry Bear and I said, hey, you might want to spruce up that ring this time a little bit. Like, it needs to have more pop, like more diamonds. We, now, we might – this ain't going to happen again. <laughs> and he's like, all right, we'll do more diamonds. I'm like, yeah, like a lot more, a lot more bigger diamonds, okay? And so we were all, all over Larry Bear. But he was so, – the thing was, we won in 2014. He looked at us and says, now what are we going to do? Right. Build it. We'll build a really good one. <laughs> but he, he did. He, he spruced it up, man. We – I mean that ring is beautiful, and 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 you know coming back. But that's the thing in 2012. We came back after sweeping Detroit. Same thing, man. The parade. But I mean, there was nothing like 2010. 2010, you literally couldn't even hear. It was so loud. It was the decibel level was loud. 2012. I mean, all the parades are great, but 2010, you didn't have the the noise was incredible. But it, but man, coming back. I mean, just same thing. You knew we came back, and we're like, man, we just won another ring. Like this is awesome. You know, and you know, you do. <clears throat> I mean, that just the Dodgers were ticked off. I mean, there's a lot of teams that were ticked off because Cardinals lost to us. Detroit had the best offensive team ever that year, and we just tore them apart. You know, Texas had – I mean, we just – and it was all on pitching. We never blew anybody out. There was no – there was hardly any – I don't think there was really any blowouts. I mean, I guess Verlander, Pablo hitting the three homers, you know, was a pretty decent score, but – but there wasn't any blowouts. We just pitched, and we annoyed guys. We just never gave up runs, you know. And so it just, it, it just coming home to fans that were just now they're like super pumped because they, you know how they say, well, one time you got lucky, you won the World Series. You can't get lucky and win a World Series. So you win a World Series, you won it. But people will not think much of you. But then you win it again. Now people are thinking, hold on a second. And you just saw the loyalty uh, within the fans. I mean, it just grew and grew and grew, and it just it became infectious. You know, the Giants had, you know, almost like their own little nation going. I mean, every they followed you to all the games. I mean, we had so many games where we felt like the home team, even on the East Coast, because there were so many Giants fans. You know, it, it was really incredible what, what went into it. Well, and, and little did everybody know you guys were about to do it again. And, and so as we go to 2014, I want to I revisit an earlier subject matter that we were getting into, because at that point, now – you're officially, for an extended period of time, a different pitcher with the Giants than I think you had been at any other point in your career. So in your eyes, why are you having so much more success at that time? As a team or personally? Uh, personally. Uh, you know, I think what it was was I just was settled, and it was more of that veteran mentality. It was like I knew who I was. I knew going to the ballpark every day what my job was. I, I, the the double-decker stadiums, the fans, winning, all that stuff has already been done, and you just felt like this is what I do, right? I go to the ballpark. I know who I am. I'm, pretty, I'm confident in who I am when I go into pitch. Um, I know my role, uh, and and I know my managers. I know my I know my catchers. You know, I know my teammates. You just were comfortable because they kept so many of us around. I mean, you don't see relievers around for seven years. I'm sorry. That that doesn't happen on a team. Relievers do not stay in one team for seven years. Javi was around for seven. I was around for seven. Rome was around for seven. was around for like five or six. <clears throat> like, you just don't see that kind of staff around that long. So we were so comfortable with each other. It was like, you know, it was really comfortable to go to the ballpark every day. 
and everybody knew what they were doing. And I think for me, it just allowed me to thrive. And I had a leadership role in the team. I'm a big fan of leadership. I like having a leadership role. I do not like to be a, I, I don't like the sideline role. I like to lead. And however I can lead, I lead. And bringing up young guys, hanging out with some of the rookies, I love that stuff because I, I enjoyed it. And I had the resume that people would listen, right? And I didn't take that for granted. I didn't say, hey, man, I'm, I'm this good. You better listen. It was like, no, I, I know you're listening because I have enough respect that you, you know what I'm talking about. And I, know, and I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just blowing smoke here. So I really enjoyed that role on the team. And that influence I had. And then I had such good friends that, I mean, to this day, Kane and Buster are some of my best friends. I mean, those are two men that I would legitimately take a bullet for. And, and I, I just had such good relationships with, 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 with a bunch of guys. But those two obviously were a little bit deeper. But I just loved it. It was a family. It was something I enjoyed. It's like I woke up every day and I knew who I was and I knew what I was supposed to do. And, and that's always a comfortable role for someone to have is when you wake up every day saying, this is who I am. I enjoy who I am, and I know what I'm supposed to do today. And, and that's what I really felt during that time. After the wild card win, uh, you guys end up in Washington, big underdogs. Uh, you pitched the 10th inning of that 18-inning victory in Washington. And when a game goes that long, I'm always thinking, you know, what, what are all the guys down in the bullpen doing? So what was it like in the pen that night? Well, like I said, I went 10, so it was a normal game for me. It was like, oh, whatever, it's extra innings. You know, but 18, like the guys that were down, like you got to, like, I know Strick has some mixed feelings, you know, like the fans have mixed feelings over Strickland. But people have to remember, that guy had to wait 18 innings and he closed out that game. 18 innings to sit down there and deal with the ups and downs of 18 innings. I'm talking the roller coaster ride, the close calls, the you know, quick outs, but you're just down there seeing it. It's like, it's like you're getting tired. I mean, you've been down there for six hours, you know, like it's not like uh it's forever, but even pitching in the 10th, I, I forgot I even pitched that day. That game was so long. Like I, my body was already recovered, you know, like at the end of the game, it was like, Oh my gosh, I pitched, you know, like I totally, you know, it was like one of those kind of games, you know, and, and, and it, but, that game right there was a swing game, a very important swing game come back to San Francisco. So well, I remember, I mean, me and Kane, I mean, Kane and I must have gained some weight because we had rally ice cream bars like every inning. Like from the 11th inning on, I was almost about ready to throw up. I'm like, bro, I mean, Kane can put down some ice cream bars, but I can't. So I'm like, dude, I cannot eat another ice cream bar. We got to win this or I'm going to puke. And he's like, you've got to keep eating them. You can't stop. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So when Belt hit it, it was awesome. It was. I was thank God. I was like, oh, thank God, I can't have an ice cream bar. But, but literally, but literally to sit in that bullpen. It, what was the really cool thing is when they didn't when they when they, when when Pablo came up, and and they pulled, uh, who was it? They pulled. Um, oh man, it was their big dog at the time. He's shoving right there. Um, uh, he went to Detroit after that. I think he got traded to Detroit. But there, the, the, the guy was unbelievable pitching. And and I'm like, oh, thank God they pulled him. They put in their closer, but you're like, it's okay because that they give us hope. And when Pablo hit that ball down the line, everybody was like, okay, if we win this game, that's huge for us going going back home. And so we just were trying to – and just to watch, I mean, Petit do what he did. 
Yeah. I mean, people forget that about that guy. Like, you hear a lot about players in the playoffs. Petit, what he did in that game, and not, think about it. You're in the playoffs. You're not in, in like, May or June. You're gassed. And he's not been pitching three, four, five, six innings. And for him to come in and pretty much throw a complete game, another complete game, and do what he did, and it, I mean that he's the MVP of that series, in my opinion, because that that game was a big swing game. Because if you you going back to San Francisco up two games to nothing is a lot different than a one-one split, right? Yes. So you 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 got them behind on the eight ball here because now you're not facing their two aces you're facing their three four guys which they're no they're no slouch either but you you were hoping you would get one or two right there uh to go back to San Francisco on to force you know hopefully to come back into into DC and so i mean that game you could just see like the whole, like the wind out of their sails man to to lose that game is a is a heart wrencher that doesn't go away you have that day off and then you play a game, but still, when you lose an 18 inning game, it is it, 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 it that's a tough that's a punch to the gut. And to watch Belt, you know, he hit that homer and then Strickland come in and seal it like he did after sitting the whole time. It's that's incredible. But the like, but yeah, you want to know what happens to us? We gain a lot of weight when Kane right. did the rally hold <laughs> bar deal because we're that's... eating ice cream. <laughs> well, well. Hopefully, you had uh, had worked off all those bars by the time you guys take on St. Louis, Game Five, three-three tie, top in the ninth. You guys are smelling the World Series, but the Cardinals are rallying. Casilla loads the bases, and here comes Boach to uh, summon the lefty. What's going through your mind? Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I, you know, I put a video out. It's pretty funny because I watched that game on TV the other night. <laughs> over in social media because I was actually saying in the video what I was thinking like are you nuts you're gonna put me in right here like I throw scuds man like his base is loaded like I mean you, you're gonna get fired if if I throw a ball here that's not good you know but it was one of those things where I I was running in and it was almost like I was shaking my head like I figures Bochy's putting me in right here you know like like you know geez like I, I mean, I get I, I get that he likes to put me in these situations because I, I, I really do calm down. But it's not like I'm, like, relaxed, you know? Like, my sphincter is the size of a dime, you know? And I'm like, oh, God, dude, you know, I'm, like, super tight. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me and don't tank it. And then you're thinking, okay, you know, like, like then you're like, you have this random thought when you're warming up. Like, okay, if you blow it, you got another game. You're like, you can't think that way, you know? So you're just like, you're just sitting there. And this kid coming up. Tavares, I mean, he he was young, right? And and he he was his rookie year. He had a pretty good year. He was a he was he was gonna be. I mean, rest in peace. I'm so sad to hear. You know, he passed away yeah. uh, shortly after that game. But he was gonna be really good. I mean, this guy had resemblances of like a Beltron, right? So this kid was really good. But but man, I, I just knew I had to keep that ball in on him and 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 just. I mean, the first stri- strike that he took, he had to have been taking a strike. And I'm sure he wasn't being He has kind of that kind of thought process because the first strike I threw him should have been a hit 700 feet. I mean, it was so high right down the middle. I mean, it was <laughs> could have gone a long way. You know, I actually freaked out when I threw it, and then he took it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot he's going to take a strike. That's thank God. You know, well, I went back with another hard sinker, and it was a little bit up for, for where I wanted it, but it had late enough movement where he had jammed it. Well, he hit it right back to me. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, when a ball gets hit right back to me, there's not one player or coach that's very comfortable, like, watching that happen. Like, they're like, oh, God, he's going to throw it away. He's going to fall over. His knee blades brace is going to break. He's going to blow out a knee. Like, what's he going 
going to do. He's going to trip and fall. He's going to underhand it like he always does. He's going to underhand some ball. He's going to flip it in the stance. Like, everything goes through those coaches' heads. I promise you that. Like, they told me. Like, like, like Flannery would say, anytime a ball came back to you, I just walked right down the stairs in the tunnel thinking, okay, either I'm going to walk back to the, the end of the clubhouse knowing you blew the game, or I just – and so I, I'll, I'll, I'll be already on my way up there, or you'll get the job done, but at least I didn't have to see it and know it was that heart attack. I mean, that's what Flannery <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I thought about that. I caught that ball, and I was thinking about flipping it, and I was like, nope, I'm going to run it all the way there. And I got, I know that he's not running that hard, and but I literally was thinking, just don't trip and fall. Don't, don't, just don't. And so I, I remember when I hit the bag, I ran all the way to the outfield just because I was like, I can't even slow up. I got two knee braces on. I don't know if my knees are going to hold up, you know. So I was just, you know, but it was such a good feeling of coming through right there. Because it was like, all right, you know, like the pre- extra game pressure. Our team's built for it. We got it. And and and. But then, man, and then what East did. I mean, that was. I mean, like, God, that guy. I mean, what? A, I mean, you saw Sabian's reaction when East hit a homer. He Sabian burst into tears and started crying up there because it was just this guy. East had kind of interesting career, and, and and he got to do something really, really big there. And so I think everybody all the way around. Morris had that key homer. Everything. I mean, that was a full team effort right there. So. Yep. Yep, and 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 you ended up being the winning pitcher. What 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 are the emotions as as you watch Ishii's ball land up on top of the arcade? Well, one, you knew you won the game because even if it didn't end Homer, it's a double, right? And so right. you knew it was going to come off the wall. It was hit so hard. If it was going to, it was going to come off and shoot off that wall. And you had a guy in second. We were going to push a guy in. You know, you knew Flanner was going to shove him into home. So. You felt like you're going to win, but just when it goes out and you see the fountains just poof, shoot into the air, and you're guaranteed, I mean, and you're watching East run around the bags. And I was pretty close with Ishikawa when we were on the team, you know, together. I was pretty close with him. And, and just I knew the frustration of being put up and down, AAA big leagues, having a pretty good year, but then Huff had a better year and he got a big contract. So now East knew that he wasn't going to be the first baseman. And, playing left field and you got this left fielder now and by if you remember that game each tanked her out and let a ball and bum had to pitch out of it but they scored a run and and it, when when he let that ball go over his head because he ran in when he should have went back because he's not a left fielder so he knew he coughed up a run right there and we just kind of more saved this right there bum pitched her out of a jam and 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 now each hits the game winner and everything's erased and you just know the emotions going around his head of what had just happened, and everybody dreams. I mean, think about it. You just hit a walk-off homer to send your team to the World Series. I mean, the only better one than that would probably be Carter's walk-off homer of Toronto to win the whole World Series, you know? But there's not a lot of things that you do as a kid when you're dreaming, if you're hitting a ball of of saying, I'm going to hit a walk-off homer and send my entire team to the World Series at home. I mean, the the emotions and the excitement, I mean, everybody was just – I mean, I, I, I was. I mean, I was jumping around. I, I thought I was gonna. If I didn't blow out my knee running the first, I might blow out jumping around because I was just ecstatic that we. Plus, I knew I didn't have to go back out and pitch again, so I was like, right. hey, I was like freaking out. So it was, it was, it was a great experience. Uh, what did it feel like to pitch in the World Series against your old club? You know, I'm gonna tell you a story. A lot of people don't know is I was actually couldn't see during that series. I, uh, I, I the, the pressure. So I internalized a lot of stress. Right. So 
and, and I don't like to show it. So you don't see a lot of like a lot of guys in the playoffs. You'll see a fever blister right on the lip, or or because it's the stress stuff, right? It, it's one of those deals where you just it's stressful to play in the playoffs, man. It, you're, you're competing, you're you're traveling, you're you're all over the place. People have families. You got kids. You're not in your house because your rental house is up. You're in a hotel with your family. I mean, it's a crazy deal going on. Well, I, because of my injuries, I was on prednisone, right, as an anti-inflammatory that could just basically allow me to run through a wall and not feel pain. So I was, you know, I was on it, right. So, and and but now I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, late in, in late in the St. Louis series, and it got really bad. The it, when we got into Kansas City, like I was weird it was like i was having problems like there was color change like i was like looking at at a foul pole and it was like jumping at me and i'm like what is going on like it was like my one eye i could close an eye it'd be normal i closed the other eye it'd be normal but both eyes are open like it was just a weird thing and and i and 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 there would be a different color like i could look at a yellow pole with my left eye and the yellow pole with my right eye and it was two different shades of yellow well i'm freaking out because i can't see and i'm getting these glasses so I was wearing – I went to a sunglass store. I bought clear polarized glasses thinking maybe I needed to refract the light a little bit. I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. All I knew is when I was pitching, like I was seeing two of Buster, like in 3D. And it Whoa. was a freaky yeah, thing. It was freaky. I was telling my trainers. I'm like, there's something wrong with my eyes. Well, they thought I had dry eye. So I'm shooting eye drops in my eye the whole time. Right? So I'm sitting there, cannot see, and every time I pitch, like I got – or I'm guessing at Buster because the weirdest thing is I told the eye doctor, it's like, I can see Buster, but then I can also see the fan behind Buster. Like my eyes are like connecting. They're like off. And I feel like I'm looking through like a glass of water. And he's like, wow, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, it is weird. And he's like, well, let's try this. And they didn't think anything of it, but I had to pitch the whole series that way. And, and Boche had no idea. I couldn't see. I mean, I had no idea. And it was what I found out was in well so when i'm pitching game seven i cannot see literally i'm shooting eye drops in my eye underneath the tunnel like 52 times like i'm just going through the eye droplets because i'm trying i thought i'd dry so buster comes down he's like hey, how you doing man? i'm like i can't see like, what? what do you mean can't see? i'm like i can't see buster like like i can see you but i see like two of you and he's looking at me he's like what i'm like yeah I, something freaking out in my eyes he's like we got to get you out of this game like, not, 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 you, you understand, Bochy, you're going to need a defibrillator if you take me out of this game because Bochy's going to need to get freaking shocked, you know? But I, that series, that series going into that series and pitching in that series, like, it stressed me so much because I'd never been back to Kansas City. I've never been cause, since I got traded in 06. I'd never been back till that year. So, like, even pitching at, in Kansas City earlier that year in August was super weird for me. I had a good game and a bad game there, right? It just was an awkward place because I haven't been back there. I've had some good memories, but I hated it. Like, when I left there, I didn't want to be a baseball player. I felt like a loser. I, I, was, I, I, I was not pitching good. I, I just didn't want to play baseball when they traded me. And now I'm going back into the World Series, seeing the stadium, how it changed. But then I'm seeing old friends that I made off the field and, and having coffee with them in the mornings. It was just a really crazy, stressful thing for me. So to, to go play there and be a champion there was really a circle of life for me when it came to baseball. My man, this is, this is an intense story that you're saying right now. Does, does Boach know this now or does he still not know? No, he knows. Cause the thing is when I came in, 
and 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 it's like get out of that like, get that big double play ball right Kane does not go the pitch is a bouncy ball up the middle panic dives it's got a glove hand flip to Crawford the first not in time oh, I don't know about that play at first but that was an absolutely spectacular play from Joe panic it's that close I think they got him I do and they are going to challenge it indeed uh, you know during the course of the season the longer they deliberated the less likely you were going to get the call that was kind of how it went but here with all these different camera angles in the World Series got him. So I'm like all right you know I got that double play ball and and I'm sitting down there dropping those eyes in and Buster's coming down he's got a hit but he's checking on me he's like how we doing Rags is looking down there he's like how you doing I'm like oh fine and so Buster comes down he's like hey man you doing all right I'm like yeah I can't see. And then, you know, and so he's freaking out. So he's like, tell us what's going on. And so I'm like, we're not telling Boti because he's going to have a heart attack. So, like, we got to keep him. We, we, we don't want to tell him. Well, well, so I go out there in my first warm-up pitch. I said, Buster, here's the deal. I got a 50% chance of picking the right catcher. All right? So, like, I can see you, but I'm not really sure of my depth perception. So I'm going to guess kind of you know, go off my muscle memory. So my first ball I threw was like right in the dirt, just past the grass in front of home plate. Like it didn't even get to the plate. Like it was like seven feet short and Buster stands up and he looks at me and I said, Hey, I told you 50, 50, I guess wrong. Give me the ball. And Buster's eyes, his eyes are massive because he's like, this is not happening. Like, he's like, this is game seven, man. We can't do I'm like, give me the ball. So he gives me the ball and he shakes his head. So then I then I make another pitch and I throw a strike, you know, and I'm still warming up. And the umpire is kind of looking at Buster like, "What are you guys doing?" So I take the ball. I guess right that time, and I turn around, walk back up the mound, and Buster, he's getting in the crouch, and you can see him just shake his head, and he literally throws his hands up like I don't know what to call, and just picks a number. And he just <laughs> he was so freaked out. He's like, "It doesn't matter what I call because I don't even know if he can see me." So he just throws up a number, and I'm trying to make sure I can see the number, right? So he calls curveball. Well, I hit Gordon in the back with that curveball. And I'm like, oh. And Buster rips his mat, and he looks at me. He throws the ball back, and I'm like, give me the ball. I, I'm all right. Like, that just meant a bad curveball. I just guessed wrong. And I caught it, and I went back, and Buster's shaking his head, and he's freaking out. And I remember we get that big double play ball, and uh, that second one of the game, right, Perez. Get that double play ball, get out of the jam. And I walk back in the dugout and I sit down, and Buster takes his helmet off and he just sits next to me and he's like, Dude, I can't handle the stress, man. You got to tell somebody. He's like, I can't, we, you got to tell somebody. And so Rags turns around and looks at me and he's like, Hey, man, yeah, we got Bum coming in. And, and Buster's like, You have no idea what that news means to me, Rags. No idea what this means to me. And Rags is like, oh. He threw five. He's like, You have no idea. So, so after, after the game, we're on the plane home, and, and Boach comes up to me, and he's like, hey, you can't see? I'm like, no, man, I'm <laughs> freaking wrong with my eyes. He's like, he's like, well, he's like, maybe you shouldn't see next to the tail because you throw more strikes than you can't see than when you can't see. I'm like, yeah, well. <laughs> and, he, and Buster is like, no, Boach, you don't need that. Like, that stressed me out. And Boach looked at Buster's like, you knew it? He's like, yeah, I knew it, but we felt like it was a detriment to your health if we told you. And Boach is like, I think I'm going to have a heart attack right now. I just need to go sit back down. I just need to go sit back down. I'm just going to sit back down on the plane. It was hilarious, man. It, it, was, it was great. Well, I didn't know what happened. 
until I'm in the I'm in the parade, and I cannot see the parade. The fans are jumping at me. My eyes are like. But what's happening is like one eye is adjusting and then the other is adjusting. So my eyeballs are bouncing back and forth, and I'm freaking out on the on the um, on the, tra- on the whatever the, the trolley, and I'm like I, I I'm like I'm just sitting there and I'm like I'm gonna have a nervous breakdown. I gotta speak. I gotta do the speech. They want me to talk in front of too many people. I can't see. My eyeballs are freaking out. They're bouncing all over the place. I'm just wigging out. And I kid you not, I look down. And remember how I said freaky stuff happens in the playoffs, right? Not just pitching. I swear to God, yep. I look down and I see my eye, the, our team eye doctor in the crowd waving at me. I jump off the trolley. <laughs> what? I swear to God, I, I jump <laughs> off the trolley. I grab our eye doc and I put him on the trolley. And he's like, "You're putting me on the trolley." I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "This is awesome." I'm like, and I lay down. I said, "I need." There's something wrong. He's like, "What?" I'm like, "I will let you ride the rest of the trolley with us." You have to fix my eyes. I'm gonna have a free. I'm freaking out. My eye stuff. He's like, "You're still having that." I'm like, it hasn't gone away. So let an eye doctor have an eye freaking flashlight on him. So he pulls out one of those pen flashlights. I'm like, "How do you carry a flashlight?" He's like, "I'm an eye doctor. All eye doctors carry a flashlight." I'm like what? So he's. I'm laying down in the trolley on one of the benches, and he's like checking my lights on the trolley. He's like shining in there. He's like, "Yeah, your eyeballs are dilating. They're kind of about." He's like, "I need you to come to my office tomorrow." First thing, come to my office. We're gonna check you out. Well, so I get through the speech, and my 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 head's killing me because I got a headache from trying to focus and and not freak out by seeing all these people. And and I get to the doctor, and he does this scan on my eyes, and he said, "I figure out the problem." I'm like, "What is it?" He's like, "Well, are you on prednisone?" I said, "Yeah, I'm on prednisone. I'm in the playoffs. I'm a reliever. We're all on prednisone, so we don't feel pain." And he's like, "Well, he's like, here's the thing with prednisone." He's like, when old people are on prednisone, like in their 70s, 80s, they're on like 10 milligrams, a little bit, just for their inflammation of their body. And if they have a spouse that they've been with for a long time that passes away, they, they get stressed. I said, okay. And he goes, what happens is, is a water bubble forms on the eye. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He goes, here's the thing. You have a water bubble, probably from the prednisone and the stress, that formed on, that, that came up onto your eye, and your water bubble is in the middle of your eyeball right in the middle of the lens. He says, so you're literally looking through like goggles that have water in it. So one eye is good. The other eye is, is, is trying to adjust and jump all over to try to focus. And so basically he was, how do you even see the pitch? I'm like, why couldn't he's like, yeah, your depth perception, you have no shot at depth perception. So you pretty much were pitching off muscle memory the entire time. Cause you had to be guessing cause your, your eyeballs can't pick up depth perception when it's like this. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He, he pretty much pitched blind the, the the whole time. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't tell Bochy that. Let's not let's not tell him that. You know, let's try to avoid that conversation. But literally, I'm like sitting here the whole time. I know I'm freaking out, and I'm laughing because I see one of the Royals players a couple of years later. And oh, I see Mike Mike Sweeney. So Mike Sweeney says one of my best friends. At that time, he's retired. He's a special assistant to the GM. He was at the game in Game Seven, and I. He's like, Asso, you just crushed us, man. Like, how did you pitch like that? Like, I'm like, hey, you know what's even worse? I couldn't even see. So now you guys tank it. You guys tanked it against me, and I was blind. And he was like, what? So I was like, yeah, you guys threw a game against a pitcher that couldn't even see where he was throwing the ball. Like, I was just rubbing it in. But I'm telling you, I, I, I cannot – I don't even know how I did it. I really don't. And there's not a lot of people – well, not everybody's going to know it, but there's not a lot of people that know 
I literally could not see during that time. It, it was crazy. Jeremy, that is the – I mean, I'm, I'm stunned. I, that, that, is, that is the most <laughs> insane story I have ever heard in my life, and I'm stressed just <laughs> listening to it right now six years later. <laughs> Buster's like he'll tell you he's got gray hairs from me because he he you I mean you should have seen his eye I mean they were Hunter Pence eyes when I told him I couldn't see his eyeballs shot out of his head and he was like you you can't see I mean he could not I mean <laughs> I mean I, it stressed him so bad coming into coming into that game knowing I couldn't see it, it was crazy man it, it was a, it was a crazy deal I mean this adds a fabric to game seven i mean it was already maybe the most memorable game in a giants fan's life alongside game five against texas four years earlier but this i mean this is just uh this changes that entire game like what when you then go you go watch mad bum you know save it and and you get the win i I mean what's what's your reaction i mean i i i I mean, for me, it was, I know it sounds selfish, selfish, but, you know, I had, every kid I had was born on a World Series year. And at 14, uh, we didn't have a kid, but uh, um, 7, 10, and 12, we did. And so two of my sons, uh, Colt and Logan, get World Series rings. Well, my oldest son, Walker, was going to get the ring from Colorado. We call it the loser ring because that's technically what you get when you know, win the World Series, you know, you get a loser ring. Well, so I was, but I was super pumped because once that third, when we won, I was like, here's one. I left Kansas City feeling like a complete loser when I got traded out of there, not wanting to play the game anymore, tired of losing, not knowing who I was as a pitcher, to coming back in 2014 knowing exactly who I was as a pitcher, and I walked off that stadium, off that field for the last time a champion. So for me, it was like full circle, like this is crazy. And then two, my, 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 my oldest son now, He's going to get a World Series ring, so I'm going to give that to him, 2014. So, like, all three of my sons get a World Series ring. I feel like I, I had full circle of, of how baseball can, can, can have highs and lows. And coming back to a stadium that I was brought into when I was 22 years old and as a kid and, and getting into the big leagues and having tons of history there, good and bad, but really needing to get out of there to coming back to that stadium and winning and, and, and being a champion. I mean, to me it was, and they gave me the win on top of it. And I was a game seven winner. There's not a lot of those at that stadium at that time. I mean, there was just so much to that uh, story oh. and, and that, that, that time that I just, it was such a blessing. And, and, and when they gave me the win, I remember crying and, and just thinking, man, that there can't be any better gift given to me there that my son gets my oldest son now gets a world series ring like my other two do and and i'm i, I get the game seven win and bum could have easily gotten it but they gave it to me and i told bum i said you know it would have been really cool if you would have got it because it would have been a really cool feel, deal but reality is bum i'm not giving it to you so i'm taking right. that sucker and i'm gonna be <laughs> proud of it you know and like you're gonna have your deal you know but but and he was mvp obviously but i i i i have no i mean that's probably Probably my favorite. I wear that ring still to this day. That's the one I wear because it has a lot more meaning than just 2014 or just you know Game oh. Seven winner. It has a really deep meaning to to what it what I went through physically, emotionally, and mentally to to pitch in that game. But then also in my entire career, what it did too was, was pretty amazing. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm 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 exhausted. 
Um, <laughs> just, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, not only everything that you just uh, laid out for everyone, but but looking back on on the run, and I think I have this right. It's you. It's Buster, Mad Bum, Timmy, Kane, Javi, Romo, and Pablo. Those are the eight guys who have all three rings. What, what does that yeah. mean to you? Well, I mean, what it, what, it, what it means is you saw uh, a team that was built correctly, and it wasn't, you know, let's see, it's win and then dump, win and then dump, right? They, they, they kept guys around. Uh, there was a di- – I mean, I don't care what you say, it's a dynasty, period. And, and there were eight guys a part of that dynasty. And, and that third ring, you know, that World Series ring has three trophies on the side of it. And, and there are eight guys that actually that means a lot to. You know, everybody gets the three trophies etched in the side of that ring, but there's eight guys that say, no, no, I, I was a part of that. I know no one can take that from those eight guys. And, and those eight guys are, are, are good. All of them are really good people, man, and, and they meant a lot, and they did a lot for the, for the team. They did a lot for the city. And, and they made big dents in, 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 in the history of that city. And I don't think any one of those guys uh, uh, can be missing to win the World Series. Those eight guys that were needed, they weren't just on the team, they were needed on the team. And, and so for me, to say that I was a part of that, and, and to be honest with you, just the core four, to, to know the four guys um, that they called the core four, I, 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 I'm so proud to be a part of that, that, that group. And, and I, I, don't, I, I know that... Um, there's going to be other people like us, but I, it's not going to be exactly like us. And and I know what the what we what we meant to each other and, and what that core four meant to Bochi, to the front office, to the team. And Buster even said, "Man, after you guys left, he said I don't think we really completely understood what you guys did in that bullpen. Like we almost took it for granted because we did our job pretty much every time out. I mean, we blew it from time to time, but there wasn't a lot." And, and, and we knew what we had to do, and we backed each other, and we knew our strengths. And to, so to say that even those eight guys uh, were a part of that, I mean, that's, that's a bond. I don't think anybody – in 2014, hopefully those eight guys are all available to come back for that because I think there's going to be a special situation just to see all eight of those guys again. And we'll see it in 2010 because we're all there for that too. But the, the, the 2014, those eight guys that were still around, there's a special bond. I mean, Pablo still, I still look at Pablo. Obviously, we, we hug each other and we, we, we shake each other's hand, and, and there's just a different scenario there, you know, than it is with other guys just because of, of what, what we meant to each other. Uh, Jeremy, uh, an incredible ride, and I'll never look at Game 7 in 2014 the same again after, uh, <laughs> after listening to this, man. Just, uh, just incredible. And uh, and truly fun uh, to as you as you said. I mean to, to to be talking and going on this journey with one of the eight guys who was there for all three. Really fun. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review, and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive conversations, subscribe to the Inside Giant Moments podcast presented by T-Mobile now. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. 
that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.